Hey guys, this is Jason Canary, otherwise known as Gnarly Canary, another episode of the Happy Haven. Uh, today we have Lorenzo Palermo, uh, one of the cooler indie comic artists I've met in a while, uh, creator of Savage Swine, a really, really cool book. I recommend everybody check it out. All the links to find it are in the episode and uh, will be posted afterwards, but uh, it was a blast talking to him. Really cool guy. So uh, enjoy. So this is my first uh, time. Oh, cool. <laughs> well, good, because I don't do it like an interview, so I do it more like a, like a conversation, like you were sitting with somebody you already knew. That's cool. Yeah, I, I don't like the journalist approach, because, I mean, it's, it's stale, you know? Uh, I, I like to let somebody get to where they... They're talking about stuff the way they normally would. Yep. And I had a uh, earlier this week. I had um, Cal Dodd on. Uh, he's the voice actor who was Wolverine in the animated series. And that one, I was, <laughs> I was like <laughs> I was nervous about that one because, like, that's everybody's Wolverine. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> But no, so I reread the issue today. Um, I like it. Thank you. I like it a lot. <clears throat> so, is this your first, like, was that like your first time doing a comic, or have you worked for... Well, yes, it is. It's my first time in, like, 20 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so basically, uh, I, decided, I decided, you know what, uh, I've always loved comics. I said to myself, um, I should I should just do something, just do it. I'm an artist. Uh, you know, it's like um, I, I basically you know how life is. Life just takes you away from some things that you don't, you know, you you, you wish you you put time to it, and uh, and then life just takes you away, and, and and you get involved with all kinds of other things, and then you never come around to it, you know. Right, most definitely. Yeah, so I said to myself, well, actually, the way it came about was um, I was out of work, and I, you know, I was I was out of work, didn't have any internet, didn't have, you know, I, I didn't even have a computer at that time, and this is about uh, maybe uh, five, five, six years ago, and, uh, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> And uh, so, so I was out of work, and I was going down to the local library to to use the internet, you know, to find work and and stuff like that. And um, they had a really this library had a really good, really nice um, uh, comic section, you know, where they had shelves full of uh, trade paperbacks and and uh, graphic novels. And um, I just started, you know, I just started, you know picking stuff up, bringing it home at the end of the day after I went to use the internet, looking for work, and then spent an hour or two inside in the comic, in the, in the kids section, the comic section, and um, <clears throat> lo and behold, I discovered, I forgot about this character, and I rediscovered Usagi Yojimbo. Oh, wow, yeah, dude. Yeah, so... <clears throat> I love that character. 
but this is the thing. So, so it's like I, I, I remember Yusagi when I was younger, and, and you know, in the in the in the late eighties, in the late eighties, and and saying you know, and looking at it and saying that's ah, it's it's a good comic, you know, it's it's not bad, you know, it's it's pretty cute, it's cool, it's got a great stories. Did you find it on its own, or did you get it through the the Ninja Turtle Association? Uh, I had uh, I, I had a copy of um, a long time ago. I bought I bought one of the original copies from when uh, uh, Stan Sakai uh, uh, printed it in uh, Critters. Oh wow! Okay. That was the little the only issue I had, and I just forgot about him. You know, after a while, you you just move on to other stuff, and and comment. You know, my, here in Canada, in Montreal. Um, some of the comic stores here, uh, they tend to want to just cater to what's popular. You know, they don't, they don't, uh, they don't. You have a wide assortment of, of stuff, but um, the bigger chain, the bigger stores tend to just keep, you know, the the basic uh, DC, Marvel, uh, Dark Horse, and uh, and uh, Image, right? Right. So the, the the smaller press stuff, and I'm talking about years ago, right? So the smaller press stuff, fan uh, graphics, because uh, later on, this, this is, I don't want to jump around, but uh, those, those books you would only find them in smaller specialty stores and smaller shops, and and uh, you know, thank God for smaller shops because the bigger shops, some of them here, the and especially now it's, it's getting worse. Uh, you know, the there's one of my favorite comic stores in Montreal here, here that no longer carries uh, certain titles unless you ask for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've got my local shops kind of like that. Um, I mean, they've got an impressive range of some of the image stuff and some IDW, but it's mostly Marvel and DC and anything else you kind of got to ask them to order. Well, this is the thing, you know, and and it's like, how do you order something if you never saw it, if you never heard of it, if you never, exactly. You know, so that's what I that's what I see and, and feel. But going back to going back to like what what I was talking about before, the library had an extensive um, collection of of the Usagi Ojimbos in trade paperbacks, starting from the Fantagraphics going to Dark Horse. Wow. And, yeah, and uh, so what happened was unemployed. I was bringing home these novels, these these uh, these um, trade paperbacks. She started rereading everything and, and falling in love with this character and realizing, hey, you know, way back when, I I kind of like overlooked this this comic, you know, and just because you know because why it's it's cartoony and it's but man it's a it's a great it's a great book. So, what happens? <clears throat> what, what happens? I'm not going to say that uh, Yusagi Jimbo is what led me to this. It, it was part of it, but it was many things, you know. Right. And um, it was it was a few things, <clears throat> but you know, I, I I was reading I was reading Yusagi Jimbo. This was back in uh, 2011. I just remembered it's 2011 because lo and behold. <clears throat> that year there, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a little frog on my throat. 
Um, that year there, I ended up going to a Montreal Comic-Con. And that year, Stan Sakai and Sergio Aragonas happened to be there. Oh, man. And I didn't know. I, it was out of my fluke. I was standing in front of Stan Sakai's table, just looking around, you know, and you get that glaze, like, everything. Is yeah, because you're trying to take everything in. <laughs> everything in. And my hand, I'm leaning on this table, and I look down, and I see Yusagi Yojimbo. You know, like, he had one of his um, sketchbooks. Santa guy had one of his sketchbooks right at the corner where my hand was, leaning on this table and not realizing that Santa guy was, like, not even three feet away from me. <laughs> Dang. So, <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was hilarious, right? <clears throat> because... What I was doing, I was standing in line looking around, and the table over, because the uh, Stan Sakai and Sergio Aragonis were sharing a table, and the table over was Neil Adams. Oh my God, dude, so really? I'm standing in line waiting to meet Neil Adams. <laughs> you know, waiting to meet him, and, and Stan Sakai is like three feet in front of me. So I looked down, <clears throat> I looked down, and I look up, I'm looking down, I see, the, I see the book, I look up and I see Stan's face and I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> I just spent like three months reading like almost 20 years of his work, you know? Mm-hmm. And because cause I, you know, I, I just, like literally I just picked everything up. Uh, every week I was going back and picking up something else and picking up something else and fell in love with Yusagi Ujimbo. And at the same time, just, you know, that day was kind of like a, it was kind of like a, a message to me saying, hey, look at that. You were, you were going to the library. You were, you know, it's like looking, you know, reading these books. And at that time, I was saying to myself, you know, why don't I do something like this? You know, similar, something similar, not exactly alike. You don't want to, you don't want to imitate, uh, you know, right. other people. Yeah, I know work. what you mean. Yeah, you don't want to imitate it, but you want to emulate it, right? Right. I was, yeah, I was going to say influences are okay. Most yeah, exactly. And at the same time, at the same time, I, I you know, the, the reason why this, this. This character Koa, the Savage Swine, came out was because I wanted to do something that was different, uh, different looking, even though it's, it it does have familiar tones to it. Uh, definitely uh, different looking, and something that um, <clears throat> something that is not out there. You don't see often, and a lot of times, <laughs> you know. I, I, why did I come up with this character, right? Like, do I want to kill myself? Do I want to, you know, it's like it's so hard to, to, to have people like what you do in the first place. And then on top of it all, you know, create a character that, create a character that, that you know, is a pig and not everybody go falls for pigs, right? It's, you know, a lot of people are into like, you know, rabbits and foxes and, dogs and cats and yeah but i mean don't sell yourself short i mean look at the universe that was built off of four crudely drawn turtles in the 80s exactly, exactly. you know what i mean if the story serves and and i think a lot of people get that mixed up with comics like sure there there are art spreads and there are artists out there that can draw the human figure in a superhero costume that'll make your jaw drop 
But if the story around it is a suck story, then it's just a pretty picture. You know, if it's a good story, then that's what draws you in. Like you said with Usagi Yojimbo. I mean, that's probably one of the most underrated comic book series ever. I've read them. You've read them. I I got introduced to Usagi through um, a Ninja Turtle association. But then he became his own separate thing to me because his separate story was so good. So, I mean, you know, like I said, when I read your first issue... That I mean, I like I like the art style. I like that you used pigs because there's different kinds of pigs, and they're built different. I love that you know, Koa and them look like buff versions of regular pigs, but the dark bloods are like your you know scary hogzillas you hear about that run around in the woods with giant tusks, and you know they're like yeah horrifying to look at compared to like you know the babe. <laughs> yeah, no, it, yeah, it, it, it's uh, it was it was uh, it, it's an idea that I, I told myself uh, with with the Savage Swines because you know it's not I didn't wake up one morning and say okay I'm doing this out of you know these pigs and 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 you know a month later I came up with a comic it's been three years right. uh, more or less three years of. Writing, rewriting, redrawing. I have a whole comic that no one's seen that I did a year and a half ago that I revamped the whole thing. And and the reason behind that was because the, the story I have in, in my head for this character is very large. And I, 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 I can't say, I can't tell the story uh, like a regular uh, publisher can because I'm one person right and I'm drawing I'm writing I'm coloring uh, I'm doing everything you know as you know like most uh, most indie creators and uh, so I told myself what I'll do is I'll, I'll just I'll start with four with four issues to tell the beginning of the character Gotcha. Uh, like a mini series. A mini series, exactly. It's it's, it's one of it's uh, it's four issues, and uh, if I get a good response with the comic, uh, there will be another four issues. You know. Nice. And I have a few ideas of what I want to do. Yeah, I was going to um, ask about that. Are you? Um are you Samoan yourself, or no? Like what? What made you go? <laughs> well, because I mean, oh, I'm Italian. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm Italian. My my parents are, are Italian. No, the the this is this is funny, and and it's like you see, I was waiting for someone to ask me a question like that, and it's like why why am I doing this Hawaiian style kind of you know like. Uh, you have yet to see, you know, the, the first issue does not, you know, doesn't necessarily represent um, the uh, Polynesians. But when I was designing Koa about, you know, back in 2012, 2013, I, I don't know how many sketches I've done of, of this character in different ways. And then something just popped in my head. 
And it's like, you know, originally I wanted to do a barbarian kind of story because right. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of uh, Conan, the barbarian. Uh, and, and this is it. This is what, what, what Koa is, what the savage swine is. The savage swine is a rendition of all my favorite comics put together in a package, in, in a pork package, <laughs> you know. Uh, Conan the Barbarian, you gotta, you're going to get a little bit of Tarzan in there. Uh, you're going to get a little bit of Yusagio Jimbo, and you're going to get a bit of, of Sergio Aragonis' group. You know, oh, there's, yes. There's a bit of comedy. There's going to be a bit of... There's, there's going to be a, a serious side to the story. There's going to be... Uh, there, there is a bit of comedy. As you can see in the first issue, there's a bit of comedy in there. With the Pua. Yeah, <laughs> with the Moa. The more. more, yeah, the more, and you know, so so there's going to be a few little things like that. Every issue is going to have at least one joke. It doesn't necessarily going to be. It's not necessarily a funny book, but it it will be. It does have a bit of comedy relief. Um, I was going to say your joke landed. Him getting a hammered out on his own and then not realizing that he was spooning the thing he's. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm glad. I'm glad people picked that up. You know, the ones that did read the book uh, picked it up. I gave I gave a few free copies, you know, PDFs uh, uh, copies to to some of my friends and some you know some some people that uh, were friends on on Facebook and you know we never really met in real life, but you know we get chatting, we get to chat on Facebook and stuff and look at us uh, met on Twitter and and here we are. Exactly, and thank you for the issue, too. I enjoyed it. I've read it a couple times. I'm glad. I'm it's glad. good, man. It's good. I like it. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, don't worry about it. You're going to be getting two and three and four. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not setting out, you know, like um, people think you're going to do comics, you're going to get into comics to become rich. No. It's <laughs> not that at all. It's, it's the passion behind uh, telling a story. Uh, I know that my first issue there was a few issues with grammar, and I got told uh, I got told that by uh, an editor. Uh, an editor happened to buy my book uh, on um, on uh, on uh, Drive Through Comics, and and he happened to buy it. And he he messaged me and he said, "Listen, I love the story. I love the the art. I love I love everything about it, but." Uh, you should really check out, you know, make sure that, you know, you, your spelling and stuff. There's a few things that get, got by me, you know, and, and I don't know how many times I proofread that thing. I must have proofread that thing about four times myself, changed a few things around, had someone else proofread it, and they caught a few things, but some things still, you know, slipped out. Yeah, but, but see, that's the beauty of something being completely yours and not being beholden to somebody else for your creativity. Is it's like, you know, creativity, creating something. It's like having a child. You know, it's not perfect, but no. it's yours. <laughs> you know, at least it's yours. The next issue will be, though. <laughs> and it's the second <laughs> child. The second child is going to be better than the first, right? <laughs> hey, look, I've got a multi-kid household. You ain't kidding. <laughs> you try, you try. But, uh, no, I, I, um, I, I appreciate the response that that person... Um, he, he, he gave me a shout out and 
He has a website too that, that um, he likes to do reviews on indie comics. And uh, he told me, he goes, I would like to do a review for, for you on this comic. And he goes, unfortunately, I, I don't want to add in, you know, the negative things about the comic because, uh, because of that, you know, the, the, the few grammar mistakes and, and stuff. I go, listen, I told him, I said, um, I'm glad you told me about these errors because I, I did know, I, like once it, was, once it was too late, and I had already put it online, and especially when it's going to be released on Comicology. Um, oh, it is. Yeah, it will be. Uh, it was accepted uh, about three weeks ago. I, I submitted the first uh, copy to like three websites, and all three websites accepted it right away. Congratulations, which, man! Which is cool. Which is cool. I find that's that big. Cool. Yeah. Um, I hope so. I hope. I hope Comicology will will bring. You know, uh, uh, more clients, and and not and not just because I want it to be sold. It's be it's because I want it to be seen. You know, and it's not necessarily like I'll 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 let people see it for free. It doesn't really matter. Right, but uh, I mean, th look, there's no shame in profiting from something you created if people enjoy it, man. I mean, well, that's definitely I agree with that. That's how you get more of what that person created. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, exactly. If you can afford to, to continue doing it, then then do it. You know. Um, so so what I was saying, going back to that, is like you know, comicology. Uh, you can't take back your your. Uh, you can't take back the um, submit, and fix up the errors. So you know it'll be it'll be there on errors, but it it doesn't matter. To me, it doesn't matter because. Um, in the end, I will fix the errors. My goal is to, once all four books are completed and out on uh, in digital uh, in the digital world, uh, then I'm gonna I'm going to release it as a trade only, uh, all four issues as one big trade. Nice. And, yeah. So that's that's my goal. Uh, I want to release it as one big trade, and that's what I told. Um, um, I, I wish I could remember his name. We just met like a, a week ago on Facebook, and um, his his web. Do you mind if I uh, do give a shout out to his website? Of course not. Okay, so his website is uh, Wonder Alliance, and he does um, and he does uh, reviews, which I I am telling you, uh, this guy knows how to write reviews. Uh, nice. He, he, yeah, he he wrote a review for a comic that. I thought was very simple, a simple, cute little comic, and he made it sound like it was the Mona Lisa. I'm, tell <laughs> I'm telling you. So uh, where can they find that? Is it WonderAlliance.com? Yeah, WonderAlliance.com. Actually, give me a second. I'll just check. <clears throat> um, can you hear me from here? Yeah. Hold on. Wonder. Oh, that's it. His name is Stefan Demido, Demidio, Stefan Demidio. I okay. hope I'm pronouncing it right, Stefan. Um, and his website is WonderAlliance.com. WonderAlliance.com. Yeah, and he does he does reviews. He does reviews for movies. Uh, he, you know whatever you know his own uh, take on uh, yeah uh, on what he read and what he's seen and and he's the one that you know uh, <clears throat> he's the one that bought my book. One, one, one of the people that bought my book and, and gave me a, 
gave me some advice, you know. So I, I appreciate it. I appreciate that a lot. I think uh, I think we need more people like you and 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 him out there. Uh, seriously, uh, especially for for creators that uh, don't have um, that don't have big backers behind them and just doing it because they love they love to do it. They want to do it, you know. Exactly. Hey, man, I get more excited for indie stuff than I do mainstream stuff anyway. And I know that sounds super hipster, but, you know, there's more creativity to me in the indie stuff than, you know, like, I I love Batman, and I love The Flash, and I love X-Men, and I love this, and, I, and it gets me excited, but it's also beholden to a fiction that was set up before that person even sat down at the table to either draw it or write it. Right. I like more the the independent stuff. Um, the collection that I have is very much indie book heavy, lesser known publisher heavy than you know the the yeah. two the the two big houses. Yeah, so yeah. I love promoting stuff like this, man. I, I'll I'll find you know artists like you and have them on all day. <laughs> That's cool. Um, you know, I I I um I wasn't sure how this this interview was gonna go. Uh, well, actually, was do we call it an interview? This podcast this is the first time I'm doing a podcast. I thought, um, uh, you know, it's it, it's going well and everything. I I I, I I'm having fun. Um, but it's like I was thinking uh, yesterday night. I was thinking about what am I gonna tell this guy? You know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, just, and I started thinking about it and saying to myself, uh, I'll just, I'll just talk to him the you know, and tell him what what happened, why, why, why is this happening, why am I doing these guys, and you know, and, and just, just tell him what, what, what I feel and think, you know. So exactly, sorry. that's why I do them this way. I like to have conversations. I mean, if I wanted to just sit around and just interview people, I'd go try to get a job at a newspaper. But this is way more fun. And you get much better answers out of people because you're actually talking to somebody. So that's why I've always gone with this format, and I'm going to stick with it. Because it's, it's much more relaxed, and the conversations are more organic. And I want real answers from people, not, you know, the canned answer that you'd give at a press junket. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. relax. I'm not Ted Koppel. I'm not uh, <laughs> Dan Rather. I'm just literally some dude on his couch talking to a guy who made a comic book that he really enjoyed. Uh, I don't know about enjoyed. <laughs> no, it I is, did. It is, it, oh, okay. It, it, it is, uh, it is enjoyable to work on it, but it's got its days, you know. I, There's some, uh, yeah. some days it's like you just want to quit and then some days uh, you just say, what are you talking about? You just spent like the last year doing something, working on it, and it's like, you're just going to give it up? And I said, you know what? I told myself, just do it. There's so many other people that are doing it. There's thousands and thousands of hundreds of thousands of, of, of you know, indie people that are, that are doing it all over the world. What, what we see is probably just a, a, poor, you know, a fraction of, of what's going on in other countries. Um, uh, and, and it's like, and here I am, uh, struggling artists. I've always, you know, I, I've I've been in, in, you know, I've had good luck and I've had bad luck with 
with work as, as being an artist. I've worked in uh, in uh, the fashion industry. I've worked in, in... Oh, wow. Yeah, I've done a lot of things. I was even a cabinet maker for seven years. And, now, see, you know, that I can identify with. Yeah. I mean, I do this, you know, in my spare time, but I do facility maintenance for a retail store. Before that, I did maintenance for a corporate headquarters and before that I was an electrician and a plumber and a this and a that so I've worked with my hands my whole life I've just always loved this stuff but I can't draw worth a lick and I've never tried to direct anything so it's always been admiring it from the outside and the podcast was my way to get involved in all the things that I grew up loving so I hear you Trust me. <laughs> that's pretty cool, though. I mean, that's, to me, uh, uh, you found a way to be involved, you know, which, which is good because not many people have that. Um, the, whether they have it or not, it's, it's the, do they have the drive to, to, to get, that, get themselves involved, right? So it's like you found a way to get involved, and, then, and now you're talking with creators, you're talking with the with artists, you're talking with actors, and, and all, like what you told me before, you you spoke with the voice actor of Wolverine, so to me, that's, you know, that's cool, I never spoke to anybody, I never spoke to, I never spoke to, a, spoke to an, a voice actor in my life, right, so good, kudos to you, you know? Oh man, it's, it's good until they do the voices, and then you just become five years old again, and you're just like... <laughs> Yeah, so, but no, uh, back to the, back to, you know, your book, um, I liked, there's little nuancey stuff in the background that I liked, like, when he's cuddling with the bird, you actually thought to give the bird, you know, the little word bubble with a heart, and then when the action happens and he leaves... I saw the bird had the little broken heart thing where the where the heart was the like little touches like that actually got chuckles out of me while I was reading it. So you're right, it's not a book that's written with jokes in the forefront, but the ones that are in there are really clever. Uh, and then you. the uh, glad you like. I'm glad you do like that. I like uh, the little uh, cautionary tale panel that's in there too, from Uncle Renzo. You need to keep that in. <laughs> you need to keep the Uncle Renzo life lessons in there. That's great. I, I, yeah, yeah, I will. I will. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I've, I've already pretty much. You know, um, the, the book is pretty much written out. Nice. Uh, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty much written out, except for the last number four. Number four is. Uh, I'm still working on it because I have an ending in mind, and um, I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to end it without making people disappointed. You can't worry about that, man. Yeah, no, but that, that's, that's the thing. I don't want, I want people to, 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 you know, once, once, once the last book, because I, I'm sorry to say, but this, this story, number, you know, uh, once it gets to number four, it has an ending without an ending, which means is it will continue. And it will continue only if I get a decent response on it, which so far, I mean, it's been out for three, three and a half weeks, three weeks. And I got you talking to me about it. I got, you know, I had an editor, an ex-editor, you know, that, that looked into it. 
I had um, I had a couple of uh, friends on Twitter that uh, that that uh, I I had sent sent it to them because they sent me their work for free, and I just said you know one good turn deserves one you know one back, and I just gave it to him for the for the sake because he he. He was, you know, nice enough to share his work with me, and lo and behold, he wrote back to me like after he read and he was telling me how much he liked it. And again, he told me the same thing. He said, you know, I just uh, would, I, you know, I would proofread it a little more next time, right? And I'm like, gosh, you know, it's like, but he gave me good. Um, I appreciate it, and he gave me good advice on that one, on on it too, also, and. Uh, I like the response. Everybody seems to be enjoying it. You know, everybody seems to, to like the like the characters so far, and uh, <clears throat> and that that was my major worry. My major worry was was how do you make some some people how do you make people start to like or even fall in love with a half naked pig? <laughs> you know. Hey man, good job so far. I need to I need to see what happens to the 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 chief's daughter, man. Oh yeah, well yeah, she she's uh yeah you you I don't no want spoilers, to, but I'm just saying that you you I got me to, engaged. So that 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 was my goal. I was hoping that's exactly what I was hoping for. I I was talking to my girlfriend um, who I dedicated the first issue to. I I was telling her and I said if if I can. If the story engages people enough to to want to come back to to visit these these pigs, uh, I did my job, right? Uh, that that's that's the goal of any uh, writer, artist, creator uh, is is to make sure that they come back. <clears throat> Do you care? And that was even the message at the end of the book. It's you know at the end of the book I had written. Uh, will they will they get to the mountain in time to save the chief's daughter? Do you even care? They, <laughs> right? And and you know there there there's you know there it's it's like a, a it's a bit of a tongue in cheek thing. I I want I put it there to to make people question themselves. Do I even want to spend another dollar at one point in time and and buy a, a PDF version of this? Of this comic, or do I just move on and, and get the next Spider-Man, right? Um, so, so that's a this, and you know, it's um, I it's love only, that cover only for issue two. Sorry? I was saying I love that cover concept for issue two that you put underneath there. Yeah, at the end, yeah, that is awesome looking. That's what I'm saying, dude. I yeah, you you need to keep going because I was like that cover oh, is thank, awesome. Thank you very much. In, in, in it, it, it's um, <clears throat> yeah. I don't know if you. <laughs> um, one of my one of my friends on Facebook. Um, he 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 also he he's a, a writer, and uh, he published his own comic comic book. Um, uh, I don't know if Avery is listening. I don't know. I don't know how this how how podcasts work. How many people catch it or not. Um, but Avery also, he's he's a friend. Uh, you know what happens eh, with Facebook? When you're an artist, and other artists see that you're an artist, it becomes starts to become a community, right? Right. So uh, so more and more, my the friends I'm I'm getting 
on Facebook and stuff are other creators and artists, which is exactly what I wanted because here in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, um, as much as I love this city, um, uh, we're a bilingual province, yeah. right? So we French and English. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not perfectly bilingual, but I am bilingual. Um, we, there, but the thing is, is that um, the, the crowd here, wherever it's hiding, I'm sure there's many, many people here in Montreal that, 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 that do comics or, or you know, are, are, you know, are even working in the industry uh, via, via the Internet, right? Uh, but where are they? Uh, you don't. There's no newspaper out there that that says, "Hey, come and meet these group of people. They're great." You know, and it's like, uh, go to an artist studio and, and an artist studio and, and and discuss and discover. You know, other people's comics and stuff. There's nothing like that here. Huh. Uh, you know, so so it's like it's something that maybe I would love to to start here. And, and create. I had tried. I had tried doing something like that many years ago, many many moons ago, but it didn't work out very well. But now, because of the, the you know the grace of the of the modern world, right? The the internet. It's it's it's. Look at us. We're we're, we're talking. You're from. I forget where you're from. I, I, Atlanta. Yeah, I'm I'm living outside of Atlanta right now. You're living outside of Atlanta, right? So, so look, you're you're in Atlanta, and I'm in Montreal in another country, and here we are, we're discussing something, and it's like thank 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 God for the internet, right? Because the internet has just made my life here, uh, a kid growing up in you know in 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 Canada, Montreal, Canada. It's it's like it's broadened my my world because of that. It's it's opened up doors. Uh, because of because of the internet, and uh, and it's it's you know it's uh, I'm talking to the people I'm talking to people that I would never uh, speak to if it wasn't for for the the grace of the internet, right? Exactly, so, and that's why yeah. even with my Twitter, it's always that that's actually why I started one was for the podcast because I want the podcast to be a place where everybody can come to the table, you know, um, not, you know, I like having the indie artists on and, and, but I, I've had, um, you know, a major DC artist on a couple weeks ago, the guy who works on Titans and Aquaman and was responsible for Wally West getting brought back into okay. the DC universe. Um, I had Eric Larson on the guy who was one of the founders of Image who created Savage Dragon and you had Eric Larson on? I love Yeah, I've had Eric Larson on. And is he is he <laughs> Man, he is like no one, I, he he we're friends on Facebook, right? He but is a I, cool I, I punk see, rocky dude. What? He's a cool punk rocky dude. Punk rocky, eh? Yeah. He's he's he sounds like a guy like I'm not sure if I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping if we'd ever meet, we'd get along. But it's like he's got a sense of humor that that makes me laugh. I, I find he's a, he's funny. His his posts and stuff, and even his comments. We've commented on stuff together, you know, a few times. 
And look again, and and you know we're we talk, you talk to Eric Larson. When in the you know when when in my lifetime, if it wasn't for the internet, would I have thought I would ever meet Eric Larson? I don't think he'll ever come to Montreal. You know, um, if he has, maybe he has. I don't know. I don't go to every Comic Con that's ever been out. That's that's uh, you know that that's done every year. We have a major, like we have a big Comic Con here uh, once a year in in July. Yep. And, uh, it's pretty big. It gets it gets it's gotten a lot bigger in the last in the last ten years. But uh, I don't go to I don't go to them every year. You know, I've I've gone to maybe I can count on my hands how many times I've gone to a Comic Con. And uh, and uh, so so it's like I don't know what I, I don't know who I'm gonna miss when I don't go. Right. Right. You never know. But I'm sure a guy like Eric Larson, creator of Savage Dragon, right? He, he, he I don't think he'd come down here. He, he'd only come down here if if he was invited. But on his own, I doubt it. I think. Yeah, I think that's all of them, though. They, I mean, they really for their work, they only go to the cons that they're they're invited to. Um, yeah. You know, I've, a couple of the voice actors I've talked to said the same thing. Like, you know. You can't just show up. <laughs> I mean, you could, and people would be like, holy crap, it's you. But in, like, an official capacity, I think you have to be invited. Or or I've seen, um, I'll be covering MomoCon, which is a Comic-Con down here before DragonCon, which is a big, huge con down here. Um, I got invited to cover MomoCon this year. And, what? yeah, like a lot of the people, it, it it's, it's invite to be a guest, and then if you actually have content, you submit it, um, if you're not already somebody that they would reach out to. Right. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's, I think that's pretty much how all cons work. But, yeah, I mean, before the information age we were in today, that really was, other than snail mail, you know, pen and letter to somebody. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, now I, it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I started this podcast... From my house, I had to buy one computer program to record the phone calls, but that was it. Everything else was accessible to me, and now, you know, here here you are, and here I can promote an indie comic book that I that I really enjoy. It, it is really a cool time right now. It is. I, I agree with you. We're living in an age where, you know, where right now... Uh, everything is, is, is still experimental, but just what that little bit that we do have um, is either launching careers, it's, it's promoting things, it's, it's incredible, it's, it's an interesting time. And that's one of the reasons why I did this comic, is because now I have an outlet. Exactly. Right? I have an outlet. I have, I have, the, I have the online comic stores. Which you know, like Comicology and like Drive Through Comics, um, I have my comic on PayHit, where you can go and see it. And I, you know, in the last two weeks, I have uh, close to 200 views. I've only sold one on PayHit, but <laughs> I have uh, about 200 views uh, of the comic on 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 the PayHit site, and I, I that just floored me. Why why did I get 200 views? Because I promoted it on on uh, on Twitter. I promoted it on Facebook. Okay, 
And I don't know if you've ever gone to a PayHip site, but what's really cool about PayHip is that it shows you on the map where your most views are coming from. Oh, cool. And yeah. So believe it or not, uh, my, my publishing logo name that I've, you know, faked, I created, but it's like, it's not really a publishing, I'm not a publisher, right? But you need to have like a publishing name when you want to put your yeah. comic on, on, online. And I just didn't want to do it under my name. I didn't want to do it Lorenzo, you know, Lorenzo Palermo, Lorenzo Dana Palermo. I said, let me do something. I, I said, let me create a publishing company, fake publishing company called Canadian Baking Comics. <laughs> that actually made me laugh because I, I was going to ask, like, you said you did all this yourself, and I've never heard of Canadian Bacon Comics. Who? I'm Canadian Bacon. Nice. <laughs> well, here, here's what's crazy, okay? Um, when Eastman and Laird put out Ninja Turtles on their own, before it got picked up. Did you know that Mirage Studio was just them? And no, they were genius. That's they, really cool. Yeah, they took out ads in the paper, coming soon from Mirage Comics. They made it look like there was this publishing company that nobody had heard of that were making this really crazy underground punk rock book about these Ninja Turtles and da-da-da. And it was them in an apartment in New York. That was Mirage Studios. <laughs> So, I mean, it's been done, man. I mean, that's the way to do it, you know? You, you that's, that's it, and that, that's the thing. It's like, uh, it's believable, right? It, 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 makes you wanna, it makes you think and say, hey, look at these guys. Let me quote these guys and see if they want to publish my comment. That's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting to get a message from somebody <laughs> to ask me, hey, you feel like publishing my comic book? I'm not a publisher. I'm, I publish my own stuff, right? And and it's and it's cool what you're saying. I didn't know this about about the the, the creators of the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, um, that's what was funny about the studio name is they called it Mirage. <laughs> you know, something you think is there, but it's not it's there. It's not really there. That's right. That's, exactly. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just that. Oh wow, that's cool. Um, I'm doing the same thing. I'm doing the same thing. It, it, I'm not a publisher, but I created a publishing name. Um, uh, it, it, you know, it's it's not a uh, it's it's not it's the, the the name itself is not trademarked yet, or if I even want to trademark it, I don't know. Um, I think you know, publishing and printing printing comics is is pretty pretty expensive. So if I do continue this with an online uh, stores, uh, I will. I would publish it under Canadian Bacon. But if ever it does pick up by a publisher, I, I wouldn't be. You know, I, I wouldn't hesitate to, to 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 publish it under. You know, a oh, different yeah, of course. A different company, right? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no. I I said to myself, like you know, it's like I was thinking about it and saying, uh, publisher name. Okay, let me let me come up with something that represents represents me and who I am and uh, thinking about it, thinking about it, and I had all kinds of names. One thing, one thing my girlfriend always tells me I'm talented is in, in coming up with, with ideas and names of stuff. And I said, you know what, I told myself uh, I have no clue what's going to come out with, what's going to come up with the Savage Swine, how it's going to go about. I, I really am throwing it in the air and seeing what whatever lands, lands. 
And so I said to myself, why don't they just, you know, uh, do something with, with pork? <laughs> so I said, hey, Canadian bacon. Everybody knows Canadian bacon. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and so I, I said to myself, why don't I just, you know, just call it Canadian bacon and uh, put a pig in there with uh, winter clothing. Like everyone, you know, I'm, I'm, I have cousins. I have cousins that live in the Chicago and the States and stuff. And, and it's like when I was a kid, meeting them for the first time as a kid, they all said the same thing. Man, I thought you guys lived in igloos. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, no, we pretty much live in brick houses like most people. Right. And yeah, there's this weird mythos of Canada that it's all mounted police officers, maple syrup, and a never-ending <laughs> blizzard. But, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I originally grew up in Boston and, you know, we used to go to Canada on the weekends, uh, me and my friends, because, you know, right. you had to be 21 here to have fun on a weekend. You only had to be 18 there. Exactly. So we used to come up and... But, yeah, that that label that you came up with is probably the most Canadian thing I've seen in a while. The fact <laughs> that if you zoom in on it, the pig says comics, eh? That's great. Like, he may as well be holding a Tim Cortons coffee cup at that point. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to give that everything, every cliche that is out there. I wanted to. I wanted to have it. You know. You should name him Gordo, the mascot, <laughs> the mascot pig. <laughs> Gordo, eh? I like comics. You hoser. Gordo. <laughs> Take off and buy my book, eh? Exactly. It's only the name Sensei. I love it, man. I do. That is that. That was funny. I laughed probably just as hard at that when I when I looked at it than anything else in the book was just like, oh, geez, eh? <laughs> hey, that pig supports there's the Maple Leafs. There's nothing Canadian in the story other than that symbol. That right. <laughs> oh man. So I don't know. Uh, we'll see how it goes, you know. We'll, we'll I'll, I'll, I'll take the positive and I'll take the negative, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for the real bad negatives. I'm waiting for someone to say, "Hey, man, your stuff stinks." You know so what? Give Throw up them. and just continue doing whatever else you were doing. <clears throat> Here's the thing: a constructive thing is not negative. But no. I mean, you've been on the internet. You know, you you can put out a thing. Nine people will say it's awesome. The tenth person will literally be itching to be the first one to poop in the punch bowl. Just because that's like their thing. They're angry little basement dwellers, and they are the dark side of the internet, and they're going to do that anyway. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you there. So, I mean, I wouldn't I'm even waiting, let them... I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for someone to poop, to poop on it, and... Um, you but know, just know, though, when something gets fertilized with poop, it grows bigger and better and more healthy. <laughs> you know, we're living in the age of uh, fake news, right? We're living in the age of, of all this negative stuff going around. And my brother, my brother himself, we were talking about, we were talking about the comic, and he was all excited. I don't know. He's got, he's not involved in it in any, in any way, but uh, you know, brothers, eh? Uh, but I've got two. Eh? I've got two. Got two, eh? Yeah. I got I got one, 
and uh, he's uh, he was excited about it, and he was like at the same time he doesn't he doesn't know he doesn't know what it's about. He doesn't know. Um, <clears throat> he's not he's not really into that you know internet thing either. He's he doesn't have a Facebook account. He doesn't he's not into many things, right? But when I when I told him that you know I've been working on a comic and whatever, and uh, we work we work together on my day job. Um, I have a day job. I'm not doing this full time. Um, I do uh, you know it's like um, we work together. <clears throat> Um, in the, in construction, and uh, talking to him, uh, telling him about the comic and whatever, and it's like he finally got to see it. Right at the end, when I released the issue, mm-hmm. I uh, I gave him a you know I gave him a copy and whatever, and he and his wife read it, and he, all of a sudden it's like the lights went on. Right, so the lights went on. He's like, man, I can't. You know, he was all excited about it, and he's like, he, 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 he you know, he's, he's, all of a sudden he just got an interest. He wasn't interested in before, and now he's interested in, in, you know, figuring out, oh, what can we do now? What can you do this, and can you do that? And, um, and, and we're talking about it, I'm like, well, I go, I'm just, what I'm doing, what I'm going about is I'm promoting it on Twitter, and I'm promoting it on Facebook, and... Uh, I have a few ideas on how I'm going to promote it more, which is, you know, it's there's still going to be a, some promotions to come. Um, and I'd be uh, in on them. I'd be more than willing to help, man. Oh, thank you. Um, and then he and then he he said something. He says, "Oh, well, you should just make yourself a separate account on Facebook and make yourself a separate account on a different account on on Twitter." And pretend you're a buyer and just start, you know, promoting the book like it's <laughs> so I'm like, you know, uh, another persona on Twitter and just say, you know, and, and start promoting the book as someone else and say, hey, did anyone read this? And it's like, yeah, as I said, it's kind of like what fake news is all about, right? <laughs> people are creating, people are creating uh, 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 the the want or the want of something just by you know, falsely promoting it in different ways and making it sound like people are going crazy about it, right? So it's like he came up with this idea saying, oh, why don't you just make a separate, just make yourself another account and, and, and just, you know, start pushing the book like it's somebody else, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done it. I haven't done it yet. I don't think I will do it. But um, now this could stand on its own, man. I'm telling you, honestly, as somebody who's read comics since they were old enough to start buying them at five years old, this one legitimately can stand on its own. Oh, thank you. It's really thank good. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I like so, the art style a lot. I really do. Um, the art style. Uh, I have. I'm, a, I'm an artist. I have the different styles. Um, I don't know if you if you if you've looked at any of my stuff. Uh, Deviant art. Sorry, yeah, I'm Deviant art. I got uh, got a few different styles, um, and it it's it's the style that the the what I came up with this style is <clears throat> again I'm trying to what I want to emulate in my in my in this work is 
a bit of everything that I loved, okay, growing up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I loved, you know, I loved the Flintstones. I loved, you know, I, I, I loved the Marvel comics in the, in the 80s. I loved uh, Masters of the Universe. I loved, you know, like everyone else, right? Everyone else that's a geek that liked that stuff back then. I'm not saying I'm a geek, but... Everyone, oh man, I let my nerd flag fly. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Everyone that everything that you loved growing up, I wanted to have an uh, an element of it. And you're right. gonna see in issue two what I mean by this, uh, because um, in issue two, as you can see on the cover, the cover of issue two at the end of issue one, I, I promoted the second book. Um, you see uh, the character in the background, a foreboding character. Yes. Which is a god of war. Two. Okay? So basically in, in issue two, you're going to get a bit of a history of um, why um, Chief Hoku, which is uh, the chief in the story of this village, of this fishing village, and his village, why they're they are not warriors, and why they're peaceful, uh, they're peaceful people. Right. Very uh, pacifist, yeah. Yeah, they're pacifists. They don't, they don't believe in, in, in fighting or even raising their hands against violence. Uh, not against violence, but in violence. Um, Although I did they, have to agree with Koa, though. Aha. See, I, was, I was the same way. I was like, why are you just... <laughs> Why, why are you doing this? And what, right. What, what, you people, what, what, you're going to find out why in the second issue. Nice. Uh, so in the second issue, and this is, I don't know if you noticed in the first issue, the cover of the first issue, you have the main character, Koa, the savage swine, uh, in the foreground with the moa behind him, and the moa looks like, looks menacing, right? Right. But it's false. Right. Yeah, because the Moa has the big old heart. Yeah. <laughs> with Koa. Until he breaks it, of course. So so it's it's a, it's a it's something that's uh it was a misleading and I did it on purpose to mislead it. Mislead the reader thinking that, you know, making the reader think that oh something's gonna happen with this bird or whatever, right? But the bird has very little in the story has has very little to do in the story other than giving that bit of um, comedy, right? Right. So, so I turned the cover. <laughs> I said to myself when I was drawing the cover, and I drew the cover. I don't know how many times I've drawn. I, I, I have like four different covers. And finally I came up with the idea of just putting Cole with this, with this bird because his main goal in issue one originally was to find uh, the Moe. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He has to bring he has to bring back to his village a moa egg because that's what they do in their uh, in, um, in these their people their people are are warriors and they and uh, they're uh, what do you call it um, um, uh, when when a person when a when blah, blah blah my brain is not working anymore but. Um, as a, as, a, as a teenager becoming an adult, uh, 
Like a rite of passage? A rite of passage, exactly. You see, I wrote it in the story, but I can't remember it. So his rite of passage, their people, they, they hunt these they hunt down these, these uh, birds for the, their eggs, and they have to bring back an egg. And, uh, and that's one of their rite of passage. That's their rite of passage to, 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 to show the rest of the village that they're, they're, uh, they're turning into uh, uh, adults. Okay, so <clears throat> this was the main, the main idea for the, the, the main goal for, for the, the main character, which is the Savage Swan. Uh, and along his journey comes across this village that's, that, that he finds out that they're in trouble. They, 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 I don't want to give up the whole story. So, <clears throat> because, you know, just for the people that haven't read the book. Right. Um, which is probably, uh, you know, uh, a good idea not to give give out the whole story, but that's the that's the uh, the main thing was was I wanted to take make a character that was doing something, you know, was on a mission doing something and then being divert you know, re, you know turned around into another situation where it completely you know his whole main you know reason of going out and uh, on on his little journey get sidetracked and now he's being sidetracked into this other little thing that this other thing that's you know eventually gonna you know change his life right and so like a quest for self yeah. ends up being a quest for a selfless cause kind and, of thing kind of thing right and um so <clears throat> so in the second book in the second book you're gonna you're gonna see uh going back to the you're gonna you're gonna find out why uh, they're, they're, this village, their past this, and what perhaps Koa can do uh, can can do for them, right? Uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, put it this way, the, the a good story to me <clears throat> always involves the character being at one point, and then at the end of the story, the character being completely somewhere else. Right in his life uh, change. <clears throat> so you're going to see by the end of uh, book four that uh, the Koa's life and perhaps you know the life the the lifestyle of these people, this fishing folk people, uh, their life is going to be changed uh, because of what's going to happen in the story. So. Yeah, um, I was kind of starting to lose train of thought here. <laughs> but, yeah, um, that, that was my goal. My goal was to tell a story, tell a story in a certain way. Uh, and, and, oh, we were talking about the art. And, and I wanted to find a style that kind of represents a bit of everything I loved uh, as a kid. So I loved cartoons. I loved comics. I wanted to be involved in comics ever since I was, you know, a kid, and I tried in the past. So I, I you know, I, I put it aside, and I, I'm coming back. I'm coming around to it again, right? So now I'm, I'm here again. Uh, I came out with this this story, and uh, um, wanted to make uh, something that was enjoyable for all ages. You know, not just for kids and not just for adults. I find. Today, the you know Batman's no longer the Batman I grew up with. You agree? You know, 
Yeah, but I actually kind of like. <laughs> I like the darker bat. I like uh, the direction it's gone. I. I, 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 I like the Batman '66 stuff. The. Hey there, old chum. That Batman. Oh well, no, I don't mean that. But I mean, I mean, look, uh, Batman. Batman in the '80s. Batman in the late '70s, and in the '80s, he never said "old chum" in the in the comic, did he? He. You see that in the cartoon. You see that in the TV shows. That's what I thought you meant. Like Batman's changed since. Yeah. Since we were kids. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, you know. Okay. Here I'm going to start putting my views. But that's fine. Yeah. Um, Batman is no longer for all ages. Right. No, it's not. It, no, it's it, not. I wouldn't let my ten-year-old read the current storylines. I like them. But I'm also read, you know, 36 years old. You read the, you read the series Hush in Batman. I actually adore <laughs> the Hush storyline and I, the Court of Owls. The Court of Owls is probably the best Batman storyline to come out in a long time. Hush was in a fantastic storyline. Okay, I loved it. I I it was it was wow. You know, once I finished the, reading it and going through the art and looking at it and drooling all over it, right? You say to yourself, wow. But at the same time, I, I look at it and say, yeah, but it's not something I would give my 12-year-old to read or my 10-year-old to read. Right. I don't want to see Batman closely murder the Joker and have blood all over the place. You know, it, it, it's, it, it gets to a point where the gore, Batman is no longer, um, is no longer, you know, uh, uh, all ages, and by all ages, I don't mean I, I don't. I'm not talking about a six-year-old who's got to read Batman. Right. But what you know, how old were you when you started reading comics? I was around eight, nine years old. Right. I was like five or six. Okay. I was eight, nine years old because I didn't know comics existed until eight or nine years old. I knew about comics, the Sunday, you know, Sunday comics, and getting, oh yeah, you know, getting those, you know, I I knew about that, but actually seeing. A comic book. I didn't see a comic book until I was eight years old. I saw the cartoons. I saw the TV shows, for sure. Yeah, but I didn't see my my parents were never the type of people that would uh, go out of their way and and make sure. Oh, look, hey, hey, son, would you like to read a comic? Look at these. Right. My parents weren't like that. I I didn't have that stuff. So what happened? How did I get introduced to comics at at, at eight years old? My, you know, friends down the street, they had comics. And, you know, I still remember that day like it was, you know, like it's yesterday. Dude, everybody remembers their first yeah. comic. <laughs> everybody remembers their first comic. So I was, I was like, what is this, right? What, 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 let every page, there's beautiful art. Every page, there's story. Every page, I was like, I started drooling all over it, and I used to go over my friend's house every day to go look at them until he got fed up with me and said, here, take some of these, bring them home, and leave me alone. <laughs> and that's, that's the truth. He gave me a, a stack of comics, and he goes, no, it's okay, I don't need those, you know? So it's like always, there's always like the, that, that friend that has so much, right? Uh, he had the most. He had the most toys. He had the most comics. He had the most, right? So he 
He's like, take this stack. He goes, those are all the ones I don't like anyway. You can have them. So I brought them home, hid them from my parents, like usual. Right? I think every kid... And that was the other, the other, the other side of, of falling in love with comics, right? It was something that your parents didn't know you were doing. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So I was like hiding these books under my mattress, wherever I could find a place to hide them, and reading them until the day my mom found them. And she's, she's like, where did, where did you get these things? And it's like, oh, you know, my friend gave them to me. He goes, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. She never believed me, right? So it's like, I'm telling you, she, she, I'm telling you, you gave them to me. And then one day she's like, I came home and all my comics were gone. <clears throat> And I was like, what, where, where are the books? She goes, I gave them back to your friend. Oh. And, and I was like, oh, son of a... <laughs> right. Oh, so now I said, okay, this is, this is, uh, I, if I'm going to, if I'm going to continue looking at comics, I got to figure out a way to, to, to keep them away from, from my parents, right? <laughs> so I used to come up with all these like different other hiding places. I had... I had a box I had in the backyard covered in plastic, hidden away in bushes, uh, filled with comics. With later, later on, when I was starting to buy my own comics, because I didn't even, tell you the truth, I didn't even know there was comic book stores until my, uh, a friend of mine, when I was around nine years old, nine and a half years old, a friend of mine told me there were stores for this, and, and where, where I was finding them was at the 7-Eleven, right? The little Where's, spinner racks. Yeah, the little yep. spinner racks were, the wheel of chance, I, I used to call it, because you could never get exactly the next one you needed. No, exactly, and and that was that was the thing. And I and before that, before I even knew that they were selling them in the Seven Eleven, the friend that gave me the stack of comics, the original stack of comics that I had, uh, he was the one that told me you can get them at the at the Seven Eleven here in Montreal, in Canada, uh, in Quebec. We call them depeners. Uh, I don't know. If uh, we, we say the depreneur. So a depreneur is, I guess, a, 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 a term meaning, you know, a general general store or Seven Eleven here. Right. And uh, so it's like, uh, you get them at the depreneur, you can find the whole stack. So I went there. I went to the closest depreneur, the, the closest Seven Eleven in my house, and it's like all they had was Archie. <laughs> yup. With, with Archie Comics, so I started buying some Archie Comics, and it's like, oh, they were good, they were they were great, but man, I I didn't get that that Batman. There was no Batman. There was no. Right, nobody's punching bad guys in the face. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I gotta get my hands on some of that good stuff, right? So it sounds like, uh huh. Hey, man, you got that good stuff? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And he's like, no, no. So what I started doing was one day I went on my bike and went around to all the stores that were in my area, even if it was like an hour away on bike, by bike, you know, I was going to find something. And I did, and I scoured, you know, half of the city uh, on my bike looking for comics and, uh, you know, I finding ways to, to get my mom to give me cash and to buy these comics. And back then... You know, they, they, were, they weren't expensive, but they were expensive, you know? They, it's like a 75-cent comic uh, back in the 80s, uh, uh, or even a $1.25 or $1.50. Yep. Uh, it, it, was, 
a dollar fifty though you get you get decent comics, right? A dollar fifty you get like a giant size of uh, sixty pages or something, right? Uh, today, today is uh, it's another story, but <clears throat> yeah, today that's a third of one twenty-page issue. Oh, seriously, you know, and that was you know so going around going around the the, the, the city trying to find comics, and then uh, uh, one day I, I bumped into another friend of mine who was sitting in his front step, right, and I had passed by his house on my bike going towards the defender going towards the 7-Eleven to, to see if what they have this week, you know, or this, this next month. And he was sitting on his stoop, no joke, he was sitting on his front stoop with his wallet in his hand, he was going through his wallet, and it's like, we're nine years old. And I, I looked at him like he was from Mars. And what are you doing with a wallet? <laughs> I'm like, who the heck has a wallet at nine years old? And he's like, pulls out a $20 bill. And then he's like, you know what this is for? And I'm like, no, what? Was this is for comics? I'm waiting for my brother. We're gonna go down to the comic store. I'm like, say what? <laughs> <laughs> comic store? There, there's such a thing as a comic store? And he's like, yeah. He goes downtown. Really? Can I come? He's like, oh, I don't know. He's like, I'm waiting for my brother. I don't know if my brother would want you to come along or whatever, but. Uh, I'm like, oh, I'm, I had no money on me that day, and I'm like, I, I would love to, to know where this comic store is, right? This mecca of comics. <laughs> so his brother, as we're talking, his brother shows up. His brother was about 10 years older than, than we were. He was uh, older than, than us, and, and he's like, yeah, he goes, uh, oh, he goes, if you, go, if you go home and get yourself some money, I'll take you along with us, right? And I'm like, okay, uh, give me five minutes, and I'm gonna race home. And I get home, and I tell my brother, "My, can you give me? Can you pass me like two bucks? <laughs> I'm going to the comic store." And she's like, "The what? No, you're not going anywhere." Oh. But I didn't get to go. I didn't get to go with them. But uh, the next day, I went back, and I went back to my friend's house and asked him. I said, "By the way, where is this comic store?" So his brother is sitting down, and he's like, starts giving me directions, right? He goes, you take this bus, and you take that bus, and you get on the metro. And then you get on, when you're on the metro, you get off of this station, and then from this, and I'm like listening to him, like, right? And it's like, you got to get off the station, you walk down the street, and you look for this building, this red building. And then once you're at the red building, you turn left. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm nine years old. I'm taking all this down. Not really writing it, but like just by memory. And uh, it goes, and then finally, when you get on this street, you're gonna see a giant sign called saying Mars. And and he goes, and that's the place. It's called Mars Comics. Nice. I'm like really, Mars Comics. Okay. Next weekend, I had uh, was able to save myself up some cash. I had something like a whole five dollars. <laughs> A whole five dollars on me, and uh, got on the bus. That's not including the bus fare. I had money for bus fare. And Saturday morning at around eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning, left my house, took my bike, told my mom I was going for a bike ride, went to park my bike at my friend's house, <laughs> and took the bus. Nice. <laughs> and I uh, and I little you know. Followed all the directions, and I found this place. 
And it was like walking up those stairs because it was on the second floor of the building. And it was these narrow, dark, dingy, smelly, the ugliest place you could ever think of. But when you walked in, right, it was like bins and bins and bins of comics. Right, everyone. I think everyone has that story, right? That first. Did you break into Willy Wonka's Pure Imagination yeah. song when you got in there? Exactly. Exactly. Right. You you heard the angels singing, right? And it was like a gold mine. It, I couldn't. I didn't even know where to start. And it wasn't like your comic stores today where. Everything is so nice and shiny and clean. And right, no, this was it, just literally bins it, of books. It was bins. It was maybe some kind of racking. Uh, and it was dirty and dusty. And the guy behind the cash, there was three guys behind the cash registers, behind the cash register, and one of them looked like he was, you know, on crack or something. I don't know what. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he, they weren't very friendly people. And this, this comic store was a comic store slash record store slash pornography. <laughs> uh, those were the days, weren't yeah, they? exactly. <laughs> I remember my mom in the 80s, my mom worked in a video store, which is where I'm pretty sure my love for movies came from. Because, um, you know, I got to take movies home. And I got to pick one. But I remember when I would hang out there, when she worked there, um, the only bathroom was for the employees. Well, the bathroom, you had to go through the nudie room to get to the bathroom. So as a kid, I can remember having to close my eyes and feel along a wall to go to the bathroom. And I was at my mom's work because that was where the grown-ups went in their room to go look at movies that I wasn't allowed to even know existed. And, I mean, come on, you're six, seven years old. Of course you're going to look. Of course, yeah. But I just remember that. It was like, here's this video store, and, and you know... You get in the front part, and it's just rows and rows of movies, and, oh, there's Raiders, and, oh, there's Star Wars, and, oh, there's, you know, this and that, and, oh, there's the Goonies, and, oh, there's, you know, the Howling, and, oh, there's Critters, and then you turn around the corner, and you're like, oh, there's boobies. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. no, I, always, I told the story in another episode, um, my comic origin, um, well, my first comic origin was I had an uncle. I grew up in Massachusetts, like I said, and I had an uncle who worked at a magazine distribution center in Brockton, Massachusetts. And he would bring me these brown old-school shopping bags, the old shopping paper bags, the tall ones, the ones we used to make book covers with. Yeah. And he would bring me a couple bags once a month of comics. Wow. And, but they weren't, you know, they weren't necessarily superhero comics. There was Archie and just about everything that Disney was licensing. So it was Chippendale's comic and Mickey Mouse comic and Donald Duck comic and 
the Three Nephews comic and DuckTales comics, and the, and they were great. But um, when I was about eight or nine, I got a paper route uh, where I lived in Taunton, Massachusetts. Delivered the Taunton Daily Gazette. It was a seven-day newspaper, and Sundays sucked hard because each paper weighed about three pounds. <laughs> and I had almost, I think, about a hundred <clears throat> person paper route, so it was a local neighborhood paper route, but I would make enough money doing that to buy my comics. Unfortunately, the only place where I knew they sold the comics that my friends were getting was at a store I wasn't allowed to go into. Right. Um, it was called Park News, and the reason why is it was a newsstand, it wasn't a gas station, it was actually... Like, okay, so New England is real provincial. It's old colony style, you know. Um, so all the buildings are kind of connected. It was like this little two-story brick, beautiful brick building that was in between a lawyer's office, and I forget what was on the other side of it. But it was like this little brick stone building, and it was called Park News. And the guy who owned it actually lived on our street. And um, I wasn't allowed to go in there because it was also a tobacco shop. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it was you could get loose tobacco, pipe tobacco, and downstairs he had a humidor for cigars. Well, I finally reached the point where I was on my bike and I was like, screw it. Like, I've got money, and Archie and all them are fun, but I want to read about people punching people in the face. Yeah. So I, I went into Park News. And from that day forward, I have the smell of, and it's a beautiful smell to me, but the smell of cigars will bring me back to being a kid and falling in love with comic books. Because I went in there and it was just this wall of everything for the comics. You right. know, you had all your magazines for the grown-ups, you had all your newspapers and the candy section... And a little, you know, a little cooler for sodas and stuff. Because it wasn't a, like a, a big store store. It was more a tobacco store. That right. where, you know, men and women could go in at the end of the day, pick up their newspaper or their magazine. And either, you know, a cigar or, or whatever. You know, like an old school style store. But forever associated for me, my love of comic books is the smell of a humidor. <laughs> and pipe tobacco. Isn't that crazy? Right. Yeah, because it's not, you know, it's it's bringing you back to something that's totally unrelated to 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 comics, and yet every time you're gonna smell something like that, it's gonna make you think about that first issue that you ever bought, and you know when you were, you know, okay. Yeah, I'm here. I, it, it got a little, it got a little uh, staticky for a second. But no, um, I remember the first comic that got taken away from me was oh, um, I think it was a witch plate because the cover was a little too provocative, I guess, for my age. Okay. At the time, and I remember my mom not being too happy when I started bringing Spawn comic books home. <laughs> I see. <laughs> but, you know, like the Supermans and the the Justice Leagues and the X-Men and, you know, 
But yeah, once I started yeah. getting into the more the more edgier image and Valiant and um, Vertigo and Dark Horse, those comics kind of got they got the eyebrow raised when I'd bring them in and they'd see the covers and be like, mm, that's either a little too much blood or a little too much skin. And I remember there was a Witchblade that they were like, that's, you can't have that yet. <laughs> it, 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 you know, um, in a way, in a way it's good because, you know, your mom, your dad, whatever, I mean, I don't know, uh, they, they were aware, you know? Almost definitely they were. Hey. They were. Yeah, they were aware. My parents, you know, they weren't. They're, they weren't aware. They were very uh, oblivious to, to whatever I was doing. And, and part of it was because of myself. I, I made them oblivious. I, I hid a lot of stuff from them because whenever, you know, I was interested in something, it was never, you know, to, to them it was a waste of time, right? Right. It was never the right thing you were into. It wasn't the right thing. It wasn't, you know, I... I and it's funny because uh, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't blame my parents for that. They're, they're from a generation that uh, they're immigrants and and uh, they came here, you know, hoping for a better war- life, and they wanted all the best for me, and they made sure that it wasn't, you know, don't waste your time on things that are useless, right? Right. But it's very hard to be to to. It's very hard. To not want to be involved with with comics or movies or whatever like that because we're constantly fed it right. TV constantly feeds us that information. So it's like as soon as I saw a toy commercial, it was like, oh, what's that, right? Right. The commercial did its job. Yeah, commercial did its job, right? So it's there's no way I'm not going to want to be interested and want you know want to want to have whatever they're showing me, right? And uh, so my parents were never the type of people to, to indulge me in certain things. So whenever I did want to indulge in something, I had to do it secretly. I had to do it alone, in the, you know, hidden. Uh, I used to go for walks in the fields behind my house. And, you know, it's like I'm taking the dog out for a walk. And it's like I'm going out to take the dog and, and then it's like I'd be sitting on a rock reading comics, you know? Right. Yeah, seriously, I'm not, I'm not joking. Even toys. I didn't have toys. Uh, I had toys growing up, but uh, they were never toys that were uh, given to me with, uh, you know, like, here, have fun, son. All my stuff was given to me by, by either friends, uh, relatives, uh, and I didn't have a whole bunch. I had, like, one little box. I had a few little things, and uh, most of the time I would go see friends, and they had all the stuff. And I'd go over, you know, and I'm talking about when I'm like seven, eight years old, right? As a kid playing with these toys, uh, Masters of the Universe, and with my, I had a friend that had every. His mother worked in a toy store. Oh. Every, yeah, exactly. And t- tell me who's the the new best friend, right? Right. <laughs> Every single toy that was popular, that they, they that was that had just came out, he had either one or he had the whole series, right? So he had you know Masters of the Universe. He had every single trinket 
every toy from that line that came I out. Had a, I had a bunch of those, too, and I had, um, I didn't have Grayskull, I had Skeletor's Castle, the one that had the, the weird cat head that you could pull off, and it had the microphone that made your voice sound weird. <laughs> I actually had that, but I had a grandma who spoiled me rotten, and I think she did it to spite my parents. Because it was whatever they said no to, once she caught wind of it, um, that was how I got it. That's actually how I got my Nintendo uh, yeah. when, I, when I was five, is I asked for one, and my parents were like, no, that's ridiculous. It costs this much, and all you'll do is sit in front of the TV and rot your brain. And my grandma got wind of it, and that Christmas, I was hooking up Super Mario Brothers to the, li- the little... I mean, I, I wasn't, it wasn't like a spoiled thing. Is I mean, I played, I had a Nintendo, but I played it on a portable black and white TV that just happened to have the little um, box in the back there. Yeah, it had the little yeah. screw knobs you could take off so you could put the adapter on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't even have a coaxial. I had to get a splitter. That you know the thing that had the two little forks on it. Exactly. That, yeah. And the put it up fork. under the screws. Yeah. yeah that's. I mean, it, so it wasn't like I lived in a lap of luxury. It was just, you know, she heard them say, "No, you can't have a Nintendo," and she was like, "Well, I'm gonna get him one because it's funny to watch them get upset." Uh, that's why when I when Ninja Turtles came out, and I was like, "Oh, Ninja Turtles, Ninja Turtles, Ninja Turtles!" Da 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 da. Well, that birthday, she got me. All four of the original turtles, Shredder, two foot soldiers, and a Splinter. And she was the best grandma in the world. She was. <laughs> she was. <laughs> but yeah, like that's how. I, but but what's funny is that it all stayed there. Right. Like because so she didn't she didn't want it to become too much of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it stayed there. So I'd spend all week, like, I hope I get to go to Grandma's this weekend. I hope I get to spend the night at Grandma's this weekend. Because all my He-Man guys are there. And, like, I had I had the one, he was blue and yellow, and he had the weird hologram on his chest mm-hmm. of the solar system. He had the little spinner on his hip. And he would spin around, and the arms would come out. I had, um, I wish I still had them, because they're worth money now. Because these were like the Generation 1 Masters of the Universe toys. I had the battle damage He-Man where he had the little flip plate in the chest. Right. And then I had the battle damage Skeletor. Um, I had Beast-Man. I had Skunkor. The one that they actually made smell like patchouli or whatever. Which is funny because I can't stand the smell of patchouli. Me neither. And, and that was, but that was the smell they used for the skunk character was patchouli. I didn't know that. I, I, yeah. I didn't know that. So and that, somebody in that toy factory hated hippies because <laughs> the smell of patchouli was the smell <laughs> of his skunk or. You know, I didn't know this, and it's really funny because my ex-girlfriend is a granola. Uh. <laughs> she had patchouli in almost every little, like, incense thing that she was, and I'm smelling this smell, and I'm like, God, this stinks in here. It's like, I can't stand this smell. And now that you're making me think about it, I understand <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yep, that was the smell of Skunkor, the action figure. Oh, my God, that is so funny. <laughs> that is funny. I didn't know that. But, yeah, man, like, so... 
I don't know. I being a kid was it wasn't like kids today basically have whatever they want all the time, if you notice. Yeah, and I do. It wasn't like that when when we were kids. I mean, I was able to buy myself stuff, but I had a paper route. I had to work seven days a week at nine, ten years old to be able, you know what I mean? So it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, I had comics, you know, out the yin-yang. I had, but no, it was I worked all week, and I was allotted this much out of what I made from the paper route was for me. And then the rest went in a bank account. And the part that was for me was always gone within the first hour and a half of me getting my money. Because I was like, all right, I'm going on my bike. And it was straight to Park News for a Jolt Cola, a king-size Butterfinger, a can of sour cream and onion Pringles. (laughs) And then whichever comics I wanted. And then it was back to my room where I hid like a hunchback in a cathedral and ate my junk food and read my comics. Right. You know, but I had to work for it, you know. And But, but it, I don't begrudge that a bit because it bred a work ethic in me that I don't see in a lot of people today. And I can appreciate how hard on me my parents were because they, they were. My dad was, he was a loving dad, but, yeah, there wasn't a lot of, no, it's, if you didn't like baseball, which I love baseball now, but as a kid I didn't. But if you didn't love baseball and stuff, he, he just he wasn't interested in the things, you know. That you were, yeah. Yeah, like I remember one of the coolest things we ever did is I got into building rockets for a little while. And he got really into doing that with me. So we would go out and find a field to go launch rockets in. But, I mean, other than that, Everything I was into, yeah, he considered silly or trivial. Or I'd come home with comics and I'd get that look like that's what you spent your hard-earned money on. Yeah, it was. You know, and it, but he let me because it was mine and I worked for it. But there was definitely the attitude of that's what you spent your money on this week. Right. You know, like, of all the things, that's what you spent your money on. A candy bar and a bunch of funny books. And me, I've always been a little defiant and punk rocky, so I would be like, heck yeah. yeah. Young food and comic books, dude. I worked for it. Blah. And then I'd go upstairs and read them all. <laughs> you see, I, I grew up, uh, it, it, it's uh, slightly different um, because my, my parents were, they're very giving. They were very, uh, you know, they they. They, they wanted you to have the stuff that they believed was right. important. So I, I, never, I can't say I lacked anything. I didn't lack anything. But any of the extras, I didn't have unless I figured out how to get it. Right. You know, it wasn't a necessity for my parents to make sure that, you know, I had toys to play with or even had, you know, books to read. My, my, I, I remember... I remember being a kid uh, in the in the second, in grade two or three or something like that. I forget which doesn't matter. But there was a book book club that uh, they that um, the, the school was promoting. And um, oh, I loved when that thing would come through. Did you get the catalog? Yeah, like you would get the catalog. Oh man! <laughs> and 
I, you know, brought it home and I showed it to my mom, and she's like, I don't know, ask your dad. And my father looked at me and he's like, nope. And I'm like, oh, is there anything I can I can do with you people, you know? And it's like, nope. And then my mom on the side, she's like, here. I go, Ma, can I have two bucks? Because I really would like this book. And, you know, you know, you don't read the, the fine print and things. So she goes, okay. I go, look, it's only, you only need about three bucks. And then they'll send you this book and this book. And then that's it, you know. And that's not the case. Because every month there was a book coming, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. Man, I remember those catalogs. Yeah, and so my mom gave me the five bucks to to, to, to to mail in from you know, and it's like, and they would arrive at school, and then the teacher would distribute your books, you know, if ever whoever got mailed that week was getting a book, you know, depending if anyone ordered or not. But it came it came at came from school, so I came home with a book, and then next month another book, and then the next month another book, and then another book, and then. You know, six months later, I have this, like, little library growing, and my father's like, well, I don't understand, where are all these books coming from? Because he didn't know about it, right? And then my mom, she, she thought it was just that one book. So then she was receiving these bills, right, that you have to pay. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. So then finally, like, uh, I think after six months, because I think the first two, three books or three bo four books were free for, like, uh, 99 cents or whatever it was. And then, and then after that, every additional book, you had to pay for it. And uh, so I, I just kept on ordering. I kept on getting my little catalog, and, and the teacher was, you know, distributing the catalog. And, oh, this looks interesting. Order, order, order. <laughs> And then the, the bill came, and my father was like, what is this $25 worth of books, you know? And you got to remember, back back then, I mean, books were like four bucks, five bucks. Right. They weren't, uh, they, they weren't like $10, $12 books that you're finding today, right? Some of them were $2.50. It was like a deal. So, right, but back then, though, I mean, it was. It was money. Right, it still was what would be equivalent to a $7, $10 book today. Yeah. I always forget that when I'm like, everything was so cheap then. And I'm like, yeah, but you also got paid like two bucks an hour. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And then that's it. My, my, my dad's like, okay, this is stopping. And we're returning every single book, you know, back to the company. And that's what he did. So he collected everything and just sent everything back except for one book, which was uh, that, that Sesame Street book with Grover on it. <laughs> monster at the end of this book yeah that's it that's exactly it and that was the only book I was able to keep because that was like the freebie that came with the with the with the purchases I think or something like that I don't remember but everybody that had one. that book eh? everybody had that book everybody had that book right so so I so that's the way my my, my, my father's mentality is he doesn't look at it like you know at least the kids reading He's doing something that's, you know, activating his brain that, you know, he doesn't look at it that way. He just sees it as money wasted. You're going to school. You don't need all these things at home. So you can forget about it. Toys, right. toys were scarce, but I had, a, I had some. And if I needed to, if I wanted something, I either stole it, 
sorry to say this. No, nah, man. I either stole it or I stole the money to buy it. <laughs> because my dad wasn't the type of guy, my parents weren't the type of people that think that an eight-year-old should have a paper route or a job. Your job is to do the chores we tell you to do and, and you're schooling and that's it. So even if I came home, I came home and I said, hey, I really would like to get a job at the end of the, at the, end of the day, so that at the end of the week I can have a bit of pocket money so I can buy comics. Forget it. It's, to them, it's like, no way. You know, my, that's the way they were. My brother, my brother too. My brother is about seven, eight, I think he's seven years older than I am. And even him, the same thing. He had come home one day. <laughs> this is how, this is how like ridiculous, you know, my, my, my dad, my dad's thinking is sometimes. He came home, I think he was like in the, in the fourth grade or fifth grade, and there was the, um, the cadets. Right? My brother found that interesting, so he had joined. They came to the school, and there was the cadets, and it was an extracurricular thing, right? So he came home, and he came home uh, with this pamphlet and showed it to my mother, and my mother's like, oh, that looks okay, I guess, and she goes, talk to your father. And my father's like, no. Like that quick. Yeah, yeah, and it's like you know, and I was I was probably like four years old or something like that, four or five years old, and and I still remember it. But my brother was he he was like me, and you know, we're similar where we didn't listen, and the, the day came where he signed up anyway, and then one day he came home, and he came home with a uniform, you know. And my father didn't know anything about it. And one day he's like looking for my brother and he's asking me, he goes, did you see your brother today? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I think he, uh, I back then I'm like, he's with the army. here. <laughs> he's like, the army? What are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, I saw him with the uniform and everything. And I told, I told him my brother, not knowing, you know, not realizing that this was going to turn into hell. And so my father went back to the school and he went looking for my brother and he was in the gymnasium with everybody there and he was in his uniform. They had these like uniforms that look, they look like sailors. <laughs> and my father, you know, grabbed him out of the class and took him home and told him to take off his clothes and, and put it in a bag and he returned everything and got my brother out of it. So that's that's the way that's the way we were we were brought up, you know. We didn't, you know, and it's not, you know, not necessarily because my father, you know, he he didn't want to spend the money or or anything like that. It was more like he just wanted you guys, he wanted us guys to to do what kids are supposed to do, you know. Right. And and he didn't think that that was, you know, uh, uh, cadets was a. Uh, an outlet for kids because he he saw it kind of like the army, you know. And I gotcha. Yeah, it's 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 a weird, you know. Instead of looking at it and saying, you know, uh, this could like be beneficial or it you know it, it'll show the kids something other than school. <clears throat> he just saw it as a negative thing, right? So. So that's it. So us, we grew up with that kind of mentality. So we didn't have we didn't have the little little luxury. We had some luxuries, but we didn't have the little things that really like we wanted to have. 
And like it's right. funny how you, you mentioned your grandmother because our first VR, just you okay? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> our first VCR that we got wasn't wasn't that my parents bought it. My uncle from Chicago came to visit us, and wrapped, yeah, wrapped up in his underwear, hidden in his luggage, was a VCR. Because and he told my father, saying, "You're not embarrassed that your kids don't have a VCR." <laughs> His own brother, you know, telling him off. So, so that that was the kind of the mentality that that I grew up with. So it's like these things that you know, comics and stuff like that. To me, was 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 kind of like a taboo. It, it right. Was, it was something to me was it was um, a luxury that I had to hide. The only way to to, to read them is to hide them. So I did. I, for, for, for about three, four years, I hid them, and I hid them wherever I can. I've, gotten, I've lost comics to, for, from water damage because they were hidden in the shed, you know, like in certain ways and certain places and, and whatever. And then, but to me, it was always something that it, uh, reading a comic book and, as a kid was, was, uh, wasn't just the comics. It wasn't just the stories. It was the art. And the art to me was it just opened my eyes to 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 what's out there, right? And that's to me comics. I mean, I'm gonna shout out some names, but Sal Sal Busema Busema, yeah, Busema Busema, John Busema, Sal Busema, those guys there reading, especially you know, because I was I'm a big Conan fan, and. Uh, Looking at John John Buscema, uh, Simon Wolf, uh, just looking at his work, to me it was like I got to do this. I want to know. I want to start practicing. So I used to copy, and I would copy. I would copy his 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 drawings. Um, Walter Simonson, his four the run on four that he did back in the eighties. It was like eighty four or something like that. When I first saw uh, the the Thor run that that uh, Walter Simonson did, it it was epic, right? It was an epic story. It was the first time I think that comics had done such a run uh, like that. It was like a one big epic tale, right? That that con- I, I'm not sure. I'm I'm not. I don't even know 100 percent, but. Right, but but Walter Simonson's work, to me, spoke to me, because I don't know if you if you if you ever look at Walter Simonson's work, you can see how he draws when you look at his work. I I I've studied his his inking, his 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 sketchy style. Uh, I don't know if you're following his new series Ragnarok. Um, if you've read any of it or, or if you even looked at it, but his new series, um, his 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 style, you know, he has a certain style, and that style spoke to me. It, it said something to me. It it, it wasn't, you know, it, it was some artists that were so refined and some artists that were very sketchy. Right. That sketchiness kind of spoke to me. I liked it. So I used I used to I used to copy Walter Simonson, 
And then I would copy you know, John Buscema because I, I would find that depending who inked John Buscema, uh, depending who inked him, uh, it would give you a different look, right? So you know, when, when, when Joe Sinnott would ink John Buscema, uh, it had a certain tightness to it. And then you would get a guy like um, Klaus, uh, what's his name, Klaus Jensen? Mm-hmm. Klaus Jensen would ink John Buscema, and it was sketchy, it was messy, it was rough, it was, you know, and it, and it, it went well with the characters that they were portraying. When, when John Buscema started Wolverine back in the 89, and he'd done the run, that he started the run of Wolverine, it was very sketchy. It was very loose, the art. And uh, I liked it. There was, it was something about it that, that spoke to me, that, that, that said, you know, um, there, there's different ways that, that comics, you know, when you're a kid, it's like, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're looking at something, you're liking something, but you're not necessarily, un- you don't necessarily understand what you're seeing. <clears throat> right. You just know that you like it. <laughs> and, and that, to me, was, was, uh, was something that, that it, uh, comic comic art spoke to me, and and I I was always drawing from the age of three, from the age of three I started doodling and doodling and doodling, and then um, one day uh, my art my art was was okay, but at around age uh, six or seven, I drew something that my father my father believe it or not, my father looked at it and said it's not bad you're it's pretty good. And he showed me something, he said, but if you would do something like this, and he just showed me how to, like, make something a little more three-dimensional, right? Because when you're six, seven years old, everything's kind of flat. Yeah. When you're drawing. So he just, he did it wrong. I, 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 like, looking, at it, looking back at it now, he didn't draw it right. But something in my brain just opened. It exploded. And I saw something, and I understood. You know when you get that aha moment? That mm-hmm. He showed me something that just overnight changed everything I drew. Right? So by the time I was in sixth grade, my teachers were, you know, flabbergasted with my work. They, they couldn't believe how advanced I was in my drawing. And so everyone would encourage me, right? Well, everybody at school, my teachers would encourage me. And there goes, you know, that and there, you know, history's made. You know, the rest is history. Right, I, exactly. Yeah, the rest is history. And then I'd say, I'm an artist now. At the age of uh, 12 years old, I was an artist. <laughs> you know? I realized I'm going to be an artist. I'm, uh, there's nothing else I like more than being an artist. Yada, yada, yada. I'm going to school, I'm drawing, uh, I want to draw, I want to, this is all I want to do. And I kind of did it, <laughs> kind of, you know, tried to, 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 tried to work as much as I can, you know, in that field. And, yeah. you know, some days it, it didn't work, you know, some, some years I had to let go, I had to, I had to survive, right? getting older, uh, you know, living on my own and stuff like that. You've you, you got to do what you got to do to survive, and you got to do it in, 
what you got to do to keep what you have, right? Right. So I, I let I let stuff go. I let it go for a while, and uh, it wasn't working in that field anymore. So I started just you know doing. I told my, and that's how I got into. Um, that's how I got into um, woodworking, cabinet making. Where they said, you know what, cabinet making could be very pretty artistic in itself, and uh, you know, learning how to carve wood and stuff. And I did that. And I worked in, in, in cabinetry for a while, a course and stuff like that, and that passed. <clears throat> Life went on, and, and it, but, it, you know, something always draws me back to comics. Something always draws me back to, to, to drawing, to, to painting. You know, I've, I've done, uh, I, you know, I've, I, I think people out there that, that see this comic or even see my Facebook or see my Twitter, they think, oh, this guy just draws pigs. Huh? But uh, no, I don't just draw pigs. No, you don't. But, I mean, what's cool is that all that stuff has culminated into you being able to put a well-drawn, well-written, cohesive book together. You know? Thank you. I uh, appreciate you saying that. So when can we... Uh, do you have a schedule for the next three releases, or uh, number two should be coming out? I'm going to release it at the end of June, so I'm looking at maybe every two months. Okay, cool. Maybe a bi-monthly, uh, bi-monthly comics for now. That's what awesome the schedule. Sauce. I have, you know, because uh, I am doing this on whatever part time I have. And right. Because I do do, uh, I do do commissions on the side, and I've. You know, I, I do a whole bunch of things aside from having a full-time job. Um, and hopefully, you know, in a couple of years, this will, you know, build to something where I can dedicate more time to it, you know? That's, Most definitely. That's the goal. That's the goal. But where, where are the sites where people can find it? Uh, it's going it, to be on Comicology. I know that um, Comicology usually takes a little time. Uh, for, for it to come out. So it's been like three weeks already that I put it on, that, that, that it's been on the site. So right now, uh, are you going to put this drive through Comics, uh, drive through RPG. Um Comicology is going to, it's going to be released. I have, I, have a, I have a feeling, Comicology doesn't tell you uh, much. They say they tell you it's gonna be it's it's accepted and will uh, inform you when uh, this is the email you get. We'll inform you when it'll be released, and that's all you get. That's all you know. <laughs> so I'm like waiting for that email that tells me okay it's gonna be out in two weeks. You know, so comicology <clears throat> uh, drive through and it's on PayHip. Awesome. For now. For now. And where can people reach you for to to get to know you, to talk to you, to to get part of the community you're building for it, and uh, maybe set up a commission? How can people get in touch uh, with you? We've got, we've got my Deviant Art page, which is uh, Renzo1991, and uh, then there's always Facebook and Twitter. So uh, if you just look me up, Lorenzo Dana Palermo or Lorenzo. D. Palermo. Uh, usually, uh, if you Google me, I think I'll, I'll come up. I'm not sure. I've been trying to promote myself on Google. So, so we'll see. Uh, yeah. 
also, um, if anybody wants wants to contact me, if anyone, you know, they, they can always buy the book or find, you know, get the book. And on the book, there's my email address in the in the book itself, and they can contact me there. Uh, awesome. Well, uh, yeah. So hopefully, uh, you know, I I I pretty much assume I I knew that you know it's going to be a slow start. I'm really a nobody in in the field, and uh, I'm slowly trying to work to be to to be known. Um, I don't think it's going to take very long because I'm you know communicating with people daily uh, through the internet and, and emails and stuff like that. Uh, I'm pretty sure things will will start to pick up. But um, I, I'm talking about purely about comics. I'm not talking about uh, anything yeah. else. Uh, I know what you mean. You know, it's like I, I have my little clientele here in Montreal that ask me for uh, drawings or, or even sketch ideas. Uh, I've done storyboards uh, in the past for uh, some uh, commercials. Uh, in the past, I've worked... I, I've done many things, put it this way. I've dabbled, <laughs> dabbled in a right. lot of different little things just to see what kind of results I'll get, you know, and, and to see if anything will happen. And it's been, you know, it gets, it gets, you know, stuff moves and then stops. It stuff goes in a direction, then it stops. You know, so, and this was pre, uh, pre-Facebook, right? Pre-internet, pre, pre, not internet, but pre-Facebook, pre, uh, pre-Twitter. So, right. uh, you know, I worked for Ubisoft, uh, for about six months. Really? Yeah, I did, uh, I did mapping. I was working in the mapping department. Of coloring and mapping for some for games. what games? For uh, <clears throat> back in um, I think it was 2000, 2001, if I remember correctly. I did the uh, they were they had released a Batman game. Uh, what was it called? I don't even remember. It was something Vengeance? <laughs> Batman Vengeance of something. And it was a it was a game that was uh, you know the Bruce Timm series. Yep. That Bruce Tim look. So there was that, and then I had done uh, a Disney game, uh, the Tarzan. Tarzan game. I was uh, I worked for about two three months uh, in the mapping, you know, designing backgrounds and drawings and yeah, like that yeah for the backgrounds, the layouts, not in the animation, but just in the art. You're the right. Look of it, and uh, you know that that's. Because uh, Ubisoft, they have their headquarters are here in Montreal. Yes, they so, are. Yeah, so I had I had done I had done work for them for about six months, and it was contract work. And then they told me, you know how it is. It's like, oh well, uh, if you get a second contract, we'll uh, we'll let you know, and yada yada yada. And lo and behold, their con their second contract came a little too late. So it was like too long in between a second contract. So I had already started working at somewhere else. And uh, so I kind of like got involved in something else and left that behind. And, you know, so <laughs> it's like trial and error, trial and error. And then once you're getting somewhere and then waiting for something to happen and it doesn't happen. And then uh, I was really wanting, I had really wanted to go back and work at Ubisoft, but it was, uh, I think there was like about six, seven months in between the contracts, you know, between contracts when they were 
releasing something and then needing people to work. You know, right. they were not, what they were what they were doing was they had their core employees. Their core employees were working on the on the games, right? And then whenever there was the only reason why I got the job was because they were behind schedule for the Batman game. They they were behind schedule and they needed to finish work, so they were hiring extra work, extra helpers to help with the with the digital mapping and the and the and the laying out of the backgrounds and just coloring and. I, that's what I was doing. I was I, for like one week. I was just coloring, just coloring the uh, the uh, backgrounds, the reds, the blacks, uh, the gothic. The you know because Gotham has that gothic look in the background and doing all the bricks. I don't know how many bricks I drew, you know, in in Photoshop and stuff, and just getting the, those things out. Um, and and just working with the the coloring the the coloring crew, you know. So, so that's what happened. So the, so the only reason why I got the job there was because they were behind. And then because I was there, I had signed a contract for six months, and the Batman had finished within three months. And they said, well, your contract's for six months, so we'll put you on uh, the other game. And so then I was thrown into um, Tarzan, and then helping draw, you know, painting and coloring the the backgrounds, the forest, and the, the leaves, and the trees, and, you know. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, it, it was. It was very it was very awesome, and I was thinking about taking a course in that, in uh, 3D animation, and then I realized that, uh, no joke, um, at that time, 90% of, of the uh, workers that were working at Ubisoft we're all ex-architects. No joke. They're all, wow. yeah, they were all architects that were unemployed in architecture, and they were working because architecture. They were using a lot of AutoCAD and a lot of 3D Max, and a lot of the games. The games are based on 3D Max at that time, and uh, you know, it's like, and all these guys were coming from architecture school, and they were doing animation for games. Believe it or not, you know, so it's like some of the people I, I worked with, I was looking at them and I'm like, I, 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 don't, I don't understand. I didn't understand it, you know. I, I thought you needed to be an artist to be here. <laughs> I thought you needed to be a, an animator to be in, in, in working at Ubisoft. And I'm telling you, at least a good 90% of them were ex-architects. And all the ex-architects were building Gotham City, you know. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's it. That's it for that. That's cool, man. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm definitely going to be looking out for issue two. Um, you got my interest peaked, and I highly recommend to everybody listening to definitely go check out your book. Uh, hit you up on Facebook and Twitter so they can get release dates. And the first issue is available. Um, so I definitely... I'm glad that I had you on to promote it because I read it. I've read it twice, and like I said, man, I I enjoyed it very much, and I think a lot of people will too. It does have a good. It's good for adults, but it's also kid friendly appeal, which is great. Um, that's a smart route to take, especially with a new book that you're venturing out on your own. That everybody can 
enjoy it and you know parents can sit down with their kids and read it and not have to worry about opening up to a panel and being like oh you can't see that one you know so yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly it Jason that's that's one of the, that was a, a major reason another reason why I had decided to do it this way is is because is exactly that I want to bring a, a, a Conan-ish stylish kind of comic because it, it will you're gonna see eventually it'll it'll become a little more um, graphical I guess I, I don't know yeah uh, if you can say that eventually it'll it'll become a little more raunchy for a kid okay but it's still gonna be kid friendly and that's the thing I wanted to bring I think parents today are a little more um, aware and that they, they want to make sure that their kids don't get too much of certain content. I, as a kid, devoured Conan the Barbarian and there was things in Conan the Barbarian that maybe a nine-year-old shouldn't have seen. Oh, most definitely there were. <laughs> I'm probably sure that, that you know, uh, the way, just the way he treated uh, women, some of the women in, in the comic itself, and it's like I want to kind of bring that experience uh, with this comic to a kid without feeding them too much of that, you know, but yet still have uh, this barbarian style kind of character uh, and and give them a taste of of what because I, I find kids comics today are very kid friendly, right? I, I don't know if you've, if you've read any kid-friendly comics, but... Uh, IDW does a really good job with that. Yeah. But if you go with DC, I, I think DC, when they when they take their their merchandise and turn it kid-friendly, it becomes weird. Right, exactly. It becomes a little weird. It's like, uh, you kind of go, eh, you know? And even the art, the art that doesn't necessarily uh, give you that. Uh, it's too kitty, you know. Um, in my in my experience with my book, it is kind of kitty, but it's gonna have two aspects to it in the second book. Because in the nice. second book, yeah, in the second book, the gods are gonna be are drawn in a certain way. The god of war. He's drawn in a in a way that is, let's say, equivalent to uh, comics in the 80s, in the in the late 70s, early 80s, which is kind of like the stuff I love, you know, with uh, Sal Buscema. And I was gonna say, yeah, the Simonson look. Yeah, that Simonson look, you know, that 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 kind of look, just for the gods. And then then you know, on the other side, you've got these cartoony looking characters that are going to meld together, it'll, it'll be linked together, you know? You know, you, if you've looked at some of the pictures I had put on my, on my Twitter, you see, you'll see a page or two where you can see the, there's a, a battle scene between the gods. And, uh, and that, that's, you know, that, that's what I'm, this is what I'm, I want, I want to give uh, the kids today a taste of the old, mixed with a bit of the new yeah. and mixed with, you know, it's like a whole bunch of flavors put together. It's a fusion, you know? <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it's like a nice little fusion of everything I loved growing up as a kid reading comics 
and hopefully uh, it'll turn out like my brain thinks it will. <laughs> right? Most definitely. Yeah. But, all right, dude, I'll tell you what. Um, I'm definitely going to push all this stuff out, and um, I'm definitely on board with it. Any promotion you want to do, I'm down with doing it. And if you want, um, when you get to issue four, and that's the deciding point for you, like you said, that's going to be the end of one story, but not the end of that universe. Um, would definitely have you back on and do like a looking forward kind of episode. Oh, yeah. If you want to, that would be awesome. For sure, dude. For awesome. Sure. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. Most definitely. Um, I had a blast. I liked reminiscing, most definitely, and then talking about what you've got going forward at the same time. I love that in an episode. Um, so it was it was a blast, dude. It was it was for me. It was my first time. I remember that. So well, you did good, man. You did good. <laughs> All right, Jason. I All right. All right, guys. That was Lorenzo Palermo. Uh, like I said, the episode was a blast. Really cool, open guy. Had a blast talking to him. Um, definitely look up Savage Swan on your own. Download it, read it, enjoy it. It's definitely worth the read. All right, guys. Until next time, remember, make the world a better place one nerd at a time. See ya.